Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Great show today. We've got Trish Wilkinson. She's a parent coach, a mom of two, veteran teacher, co-author of Brain Stages, How to Raise Smart, Confident Kids and Have Fun Doing It. Boy, that's a mouthful because we all know that parenting journeys aren't easy. And there's some things, you know, the regular issues that we have, but most of us, our kids will have some challenges. And, and Trish did with her kids. And through study and interview with experts and good old trial and error, Trish found and created tools for communication and care that helped her kids become their best selves while bringing the family closer together. Trish's tools not only benefited her own kids, but they've also helped hundreds of her students as well as the parents she coaches who have children of all ages. Trish, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. In your head podcast. Yay. <laughs> well, a great you know, podcast. <laughs> thank you. And, and I'm excited to, to learn more about how to create confident kids because, you know, in my practice, of course, when I deal with a lot of people that have anxiety and depression and ADHD. And one thing that they're all lacking on some level is confidence. And, and I think that's very common for so many of us. I think as parents, a lot of times the things that we do, we have no idea that we're chipping away at our kids' confidence. I mean, at least I didn't. I, I thought oh. raising kids was going to be easy because, you know, I, I had already been teaching for several years by the time we had kids. And it turns out it's, it's a lot uh, tougher than it looks. <laughs> well, it is, you know, and I think... So many things, you know, when I look back, because I had two boys and my husband always traveled. So as you know, for many times during the week, I was a single parent. And when I look back, you know, I, I've always tried to praise my kids continually. But when I look back, I think maybe I use praise as a reward. And I know then they start to expect that. And then it really doesn't mean anything. Well, so here's a really cool thing. There are a couple of things that we found out about praise. The first thing is, is if we just give kids kind of overarching general praise, like if we say things like, you're so smart, what happens is, is when they have a problem, when they have a difficulty with something, it actually chips away at their confidence because they're thinking, well, my mom always tells me how smart they are, how smart I am, and I can't figure this out. So it turns out that if we tell our kids they're smart, it actually makes it harder on them and hurts their confidence. And I didn't know that in the beginning. You know, I have two kids who are quote unquote gifted, which just means they catch on to things quickly and they're quirky as heck. <laughs> but the but I would tell them that they were smart because I didn't know. And then in my studies, I realized, and in actual experiences, I realized, wow, that's not working very well because when things didn't come quickly to them, then they wanted to quit. And when I started praising them for specific things, like, wow, I really like how you stuck in, you know, how you hung in there and figured that out. I really like how you, you know, when I would give them specific praise about something they did, 
then they would do those things more. And those things were actually what would build confidence. So, well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the people I work with are adults, all different ages, but the confidence starts, you, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, I've been to, I've been with through two grad programs, never had a, a course in self-confidence or self-esteem. And that's what, you know, I think when I talk with my clients that as it didn't, they didn't get what they needed in childhood. And that's really where it starts in that example you used. Oh, you're so smart. That plays into adult life so well because you're at work and you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing. And so that negative script starts playing in your head. You're so stupid. You can't figure this out. What's wrong with or you? Or you're an imposter. It's imposter syndrome. Wow. Well, people think you're so smart and you have no idea what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just, instead of thinking, whereas if we, when we praise people, not just kids, but when we praise people in general for specific things, wow, you really stuck with it and came up for a solution for that. That was great because I had no idea in the beginning and, and I don't think you did either. And you just kept trying things and putting information together and, and look at this. This is great that you came up with this over time and you had the tenacity to do it. When we give people praise like that, then they're willing to admit when they don't understand something and they're willing to try different things. But a lot of times if we tell kids from the time we're really little that they're smart, then they're afraid to admit when they're not smart. <laughs> you well, know, they're afraid I, to admit, and they can't, they may still be smart, but they're afraid to admit when they don't know something. What I hear you say is, you know, focus on the process and the strategies and the effort that they put forward, not the one thing that they did. Because the next time they do that one thing and they don't do it very well, then they get the negative feedback on. Well, and the other thing is, too, it's this is an interesting thing, too. And you you know all this stuff about the brain, right? Because you deal with anxiety and depression and all these things. And what happens with kids and with adults, too. But, I mean, my focus, I'm usually talking to parents about their families, right? So what happens with people in general is when they don't know something or they are feeling insecure, they're in the limbic system in their brain. So they're in that part of the brain where the emotion centers are that are saying, you know, that are giving them doubt and they're starting to get that fear. And what happens is that blocks off their thinking process because they're in the emotion centers that are trying to protect them. So if we can shift them from the emotion centers to the prefrontal cortex for thinking, then we have a whole different set of outcomes. So you know, even people I'm working with, if I notice they're feeling stressed or whatever about something, and that's where like mindfulness comes in and what you're doing, you know, just having a kid take a deep breath or what I used to do with kids a lot is have them play games. Like we have this game called add a move where I make a move, then they make that same move and add one more. And we keep adding moves, you know, starting with the sequence and adding whatever moves until somebody misses and then we laugh about it. But the bottom line is, is it's got a, gotten them out of their emotion centers and into their thinking centers so that they're able to function again. Does that well, make sense? 
It makes total sense, but that's hard to do because, you know, we talk about that prefrontal cortex. That's the last part of the brain that gets fully developed. And that's not until your mid to late 20s. So it's much harder. I mean, you know, you've got the left hemisphere and that's where all the logic and the planning and the organizing goes on. And you've got the right hemisphere, and that's where the amygdala, the emotional control is. And did you know that two-thirds of the cells in the right hemisphere are scanning for threats and danger all the time? So All the time, yeah. All the time. So it's not that hard for that limbic system to take over, particularly when we become overwhelmed and the left says, well, I can't do my job. And the right says, well, I can't calm the brain down. So they just let the amygdala drive the car. And we both know emotional reactions are not good decision-making tools. <laughs> no, that is definitely true. Well, and when people, people, kids, like we're talking about kids in trauma, I work a lot with kids who've been through trauma and trying to learn That's one of the reasons we do some of these games, because it gets them out of the emotions. It switches their brain to thinking about something that is non-threatening. And when they can think about something that is non-threatening, it it relaxes them enough to open up to be able to think. Because like you say, the prefrontal cortex is going to be developing until they're in their mid to late 20s. So... Um, but it's they still need to develop it, and we can get them out of those emotion centers when they're little like that and help them just relax enough to be able to think. Well, and I have found positive self-talk to be very helpful there because, you know, and this is a true fact. Research has shown that we have three times more positive events every day than we do negative. But the brain holds on to that one negative. And you have to really, what are you paying attention to? Well, you're remembering and you're focusing on that one negative thing that happened. So, you know, practicing positive self-talk and and I love affirmations. I have my affirmations that I use to guide me through difficult times. And because that gives me something positive to say. Instead of, you know, once once you, once the amygdala takes over, you've got that negative, those, those little ants, those automatic negative thoughts that are so fast and furious, you don't even know they were there. You're just angry or you're frustrated. You don't or like Or disappointed things. or depressed. I mean, and, and why is it that we give these negative things so much power? But I think it's because we... You know, they're just quicker because it's all about, again, the brain being so quick to protect us. And like I had to start a gratitude list. People had been telling me about gratitude lists for years. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty positive. I'm fine. And in 2020, (laughs) you know, with with all of the craziness going on and, and then I lost my dad and all these things, I finally started doing a gratitude list. So I not only have my affirmations, but I also write down 10 things that I'm grateful for every morning. And it just shifts my mind from, you know, the worry to getting into a more powerful mindset. So I think I, I so agree with you that that positive mindset and being intentional about putting yourself into a positive mindset is is key. 
Well, you know, and I think it's great that you write down 10 things you're grateful for every morning. I go with three. And, you know, when I first started doing my grateful and gratitude journal, I was looking for these grand things. You know, I was looking for big things. And it's not there. It's the little things that I'm so grateful for. It's the little things that make my day so much easier. And, you know, there's, there'll be two or three days in a row where maybe some of the same things were on the list that were two days ago. But you know what that means? I'm just more grateful. Yep. And, and you, I love how you brought that up, Lee, because it is so true that a lot of times we think, because we make all these value judgments about ourselves, right? <laughs> and, and okay, that's not really important to put on a list. I think that's why I started with 10 things because I felt like they had to be much bigger things. And it, when you, when I, for me, when I had more things to add on there, it gave me permission to put on the little things like, wow, it's snowing outside because I live in Oregon in a place where it snows. So, wow, it's snowing outside and I'm so grateful to be inside my warm house. <laughs> you know, yeah. something that we take for it for granted, but, you know, I was glad I wasn't outside having to fare the, you know, the wind and snow or whatever. Wintry mix. It sounds so nice, but it's it's not so pleasant, the wind and sleet and snow. <laughs> Oh, I spent, I spent a lot of years in Connecticut, and I know that well. It's, oh. So, but focusing on, you know, how lucky and how grateful you are because it's so warm, and that's really where positive thinking comes from. It's just stop, pay attention to what you're, you know, pay attention to what you're paying attention to instead of, oh, my gosh, look at the snow. It's going to be such a hassle to get my car out. You know, you're paying attention to how warm you are. And that's that's great. That really is. You know, going back and talking about confidence, one of the things that I experienced with my kids, and I don't I say this with no pride in my voice, just a lot of honesty. I had twins and I tried so hard to not compare them to each other because if you compare, then you've got a winner and a loser. Right. Now, I was really good not comparing them to each other. I wish I could say that about repairing, comparing them to others, because that's where I could have done a little bit better job. Well, and it's funny because, you know, my mom used to always say hindsight is twenty twenty, And in doing all the research I've done in parenting, I learned a lot of things along the way because we had two kids who had challenges. I had one who had anxiety issues that, that are hereditary. I mean, my grandmother was agoraphobic. She couldn't even go out of the house. And I didn't want my daughter to get stuck in that. And then I had another child who was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which really annoys me because she is not deficient, nor is she disordered. We have discovered how to deal with her issues. By the way, she did do neurofeedback and it was hugely helpful for her. Um, but now she's a software engineer. She runs a team. She's super successful in her 20s and, you know, has great relationships. I mean, she's but I was scared to death that she wouldn't have those things because she was difficult to raise. 
And I think, you know, you look back and you think, well, what a shoulda, could I wish I had done this and I wish I had done that. I wish I had known this a few years ago when we were going through this period. And I th- I'm so glad you brought that up because it's just a gift whenever we learn whatever we learn now. Because I even I'm doing more and more research all the time because there are new findings that come out all the time because now we have more equipment and more understanding and technology to be able to study the brain and how it functions a lot more. So yeah, are there things that I wish I had done a little differently with our kids? Definitely true, but they're doing well right now. And in the meantime, I'm sharing the new things that we know with parents who they're they're implementing those things and doing really well. So I'm sure you raised two lovely twins. Oh, <laughs> even and- though you didn't do everything that you wished you could have done. And that's that's and I'm just bringing that up because I think as parents, we need to give ourselves grace. Oh, we do. And I am so blessed. My boys are do, just do a very, very well in life and happily married. And I'm blessed. And, and you're, every parent makes mistakes. And you know that I challenge people to think about that because we blame ourselves as mothers. Oh, if I'd have done this, then this wouldn't happen. And I challenge as adults, don't go looking to blame somebody or something didn't happen. You know, you're in charge. Focus on what you can control and not what you can't control. And you mentioned it early on. 2020 has been a very challenging year. And, you know, Trish, I think it's so interesting because a lot of my clients and myself included, I thought, okay, 2020 is over. Yay. 2021 (laughs) is going to just be fabulous. And we started out 2021 and yesterday was a history making day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I, I know I had a client talk to me this morning and say, you know, I started off thinking 2021, it's going to be so good. And oh my gosh, this, we said history yesterday. It was a da- disaster. And there's not much that you can argue against that because it was, but how do you get that growth mindset? How do you, you know, yesterday did happen. January 6, 2021 did happen. But it's over. Today's January 7th. I can't Exactly. Control. And that's what we need to focus on. That's, you know, that's another point in time. Something happened. And, you know, here's the thing. Humans are amazing. There are so many great things that we do. But we're also messy. <laughs> You know, humans are messy. And when we act out of emotion, we were just talking about the emotion centers versus the thinking centers centers of our brains. And when we act out of emotions, you know, instead of more acting out of the thinking centers, the emotion part of us is beautiful. It's part of what makes us the amazing beings that we are. But at the same time, when we make decisions and we act out of those emotions, you know, sometimes we do things we're not proud of. So, oh, many times. Right. But but the point is, that's a day in history. It's past and we move on from here. Absolutely. And one of the things that I do is I work with people on setting and achieving goals because you start looking forward. Okay, you know, yesterday was it was a history setting day. 
So, but what is 20, what are your goals for 2021 and how are you going to achieve them? And don't let that negative energy, don't pay attention to the negative. You've got three times more positive happening every day. You know, you've got, you've got to think about your goals and what do you want to get better at? Um, What about those dreams? You know, it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 40 or 13, you still should have those dreams. Well, and and not all, and even older than that, because I'm considerably older than thirty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Being me that too. I have kids in my twenties, um, and the thing is, is that I feel like what keeps us young and our minds sharp, and what keeps us going, is to have goals and ways that we're going to contribute ways that we're going to contribute to society rather than, you know, what's not going right, what is going right. And when something doesn't go right to figure out, okay, what was it that caused that or or how can, what can I learn from that so that I can move on? Because we're going to, you know, we're all flawed. That's where we were talking about giving ourselves grace, looking at our strengths, trying to operate as best we can through our strengths. And, you know, not only just through our strengths, but also figuring out what our strengths are. I think that's so important for our children to figure out what their strengths are, especially if they have learning issues or um, whatever. But even if they don't, just whatever their issues are, to work with them through their strengths and help them figure out what their strengths are, which I did a lot with our kids. I've been talking to... um, Incredible Parents, which is an organization. In fact, they have a book coming out tomorrow. And um, their focus isn't just on looking at kids' strengths, but also as parents and our strengths, focusing on our strengths to be the best parents we can be. Because I feel like, and and their premise is, a lot of times we're looking at how we can be better and beating ourselves up for the things we're not doing well, so we're always struggling to be better instead of focusing on figuring out where our strengths are and focusing on those things and behaving out of those strengths rather than focusing on, you know, whatever it is that we think we should be bigger, stronger, faster, or more intelligent in. (laughs) Well, you you make a really good point, and that is parents have to model behavior. They have to operate with self-confidence because, I mean, I always, I'll never forget what one one didn't see, the other one did, and he was real quick to share the information. So you've got to always be modeling and showing. Okay, you know, I made a mistake, but that's gonna. I'm gonna learn, and I'm gonna grow from that. And it's okay to make mistakes, or to even say, you know what, I haven't figured that one out yet, but I'm working on it. I just need to take a little time and put a little effort in. And, you know, all of those are so non-judgmental. And I, we're, as humans, we are so fast to judge. And, well, that's not right. You know, why did you do it that way? So it, I guess it does. It starts with the positive statements. Um, you know, one of my favorite is learning is my superpower. Yes, learning is my superpower. And I'm so glad that you brought up learning and mistakes and just because if we as parents can validate our kids emotions instead of you know oh well you 
like it was brought up to me where somebody were, oh, you don't really feel that way or, oh, you don't really want that or, oh, you know, a lot of times we'll negate what our kids are saying they want even without even realizing it. <laughs> and I've worked with a lot of parents on that. And it's so funny. Whereas if we just, you know, they seem frustrated about something and instead of commenting on what they're frustrated on, just saying to them, wow, you seem really frustrated and letting them talk, it validates their emotion. And a lot of times they come up with their own solutions. Oh, absolutely. I think just sitting down and talking with your kids and asking their advice or, or their opinion on things, it helps them build their confidence because they're demonstrating, well, you know what? Oh my gosh, even my adults, sometimes they'll come and ask me for advice or an opinion. That's a pretty powerful reinforcement. Right, exactly. And it's just, but but even if they don't, if we don't ask our kid, because sometimes when we ask our kids questions or what made you, you know, why'd you do that? What were you thinking? You know, a lot of times they don't know what they were thinking, <laughs> right? They just, whereas if you just talk about an observation and say to them, wow, you seem really frustrated or, or just your observation, wow, there, there's milk all over the floor or, you know, whatever happened you know, they can talk about it and create a clearing for it. And then you can end up, you know, usually they'll end up cleaning up the mess or whatever if we make it safe. But if we, you know, get all upset about something they did, then it shuts down that behavior because then the amygdala, all those, you know, emotion centers in their brain kick in again. Whereas oh, if yeah. we just talk about the what we observe, oh, I there's you know, blocks all over the floor or, you know, oh, that's broken or whatever. And we just let them talk about it. It takes a lot of the emotion out of it so they can think about it and figure out what they're going to do to make it right. Well, because we, we both know shame and blame, that adds no value. You know, and if, and if their little brain goes to the emotional center, oh, you're so stupid, you know, then then they feel embarrassed so I think that helping them to just be able to talk about things and own it, it's okay. You know, you, you do, you did the best you thought you could, you could do at the time, right? Yes, I did. Then you did your best. We're going to take a break in a, a, just a little bit. And when we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about because, you know, all kids and adults deserve to have that confidence and it helps them be more successful and become what they're meant to be. But it's not it's not easy. And a lot of times, I think, as we turn into adults, we think that we should know all that and that we should have it. So we feel guilty and we don't want to say, you know what, I need more confidence. And when your brain's dysregulated, that's one of the first things that I see people lose. That's their self-confidence and their self-esteem. We'll be back after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. 
Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's words you've never heard. English isn't always the most expressive language in the world. Many other languages have words that are much more descriptive in their meaning. University of East London psychologist Tim Lomas compiled words from other countries that don't translate or have an English equivalent. Heiskos is a Norwegian word that means sitting in front of a crackling fireplace enjoying the warmth. Gula is Spanish for the desire to eat simply for the taste. And shamomachamo is a Georgian word that means eating past the point of satiation due to sheer enjoyment. Faya ament is a German word for the festive mood at the end of a working day. To quote Mark Twain, the difference between the right word and the nearly right word is the difference between lightning and lightning bug. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and I'm having a great conversation with Trish Wilkinson about confidence and how, you know, even as a child and, and as you grow up into an adult, how do you develop that confidence? And I think part of it, and I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about this, Trish, is that when you really start to pay attention to what you're interested in and what you're passionate about, when you find that you like it, you excel at it, that builds confidence. Oh, definitely. I think that's that's huge. And that's why I think as as a person that builds our confidence and as a parent that builds our confidence, because I think a lot of times a lot of us don't just sit down and really figure out what our strengths are, what we are passionate about, what you know, we just we live in this pinball game of life, you know, where we're just shot out of the pinball game in the morning and bing. Bing, 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 until we roll and, you know, roll back into the chute for, you know, to sleep, go to bed and get up the next morning and do it all over again. And I think if we are intentional about figuring out what we're interested in, what our strengths are, what we're passionate about, if we're, then we can be more intentional and conscious about those things and build on those things. And when we do it, our children see us do the same thing. And when our children, you know, you were talking about modeling before the break and when our children's, because one of the things I love to say to the parents when we're joking around with, with my clients is I'll say, well, here's the thing. Your, your kids are saying, I can't hear you because your actions are speaking too loudly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the do what I say, not what I do thing doesn't work. And, and And I joke about it because I think all of us have done that before. I mean, all of us will know something intellectually that we really believe in. And, you know, like for for us, our difficulty was organization. 
you know, I would try all these different things for organization, but I'm also ADHD, which I figured I was never medicated. I just figured it out in trying to help my daughter. <laughs> and so I had as much difficulty making sure I was organized and I was a teacher. So in my classroom, I had everything in place and people were like, oh, you're so tidy and you're so organized, Trish. And they didn't understand that the reason for that is because I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag if I didn't say organized. <laughs> you know, if I didn't know where things were, I might spend 20 minutes or half an hour looking for a vital piece of equipment or paper or whatever if I didn't have a system in place. And it was much harder to get keep that system in place at home because I wasn't necessarily in charge of it because I had all these other family members around who were, you know, disrupting the system. And so my point is, is that I think it's important for us to realize that we're, you know, if we look at the things that we do well and we get, you know, and we focus on our passions and we're intentional about them instead of just being shot out of the pinball game, we're just going to live a much happier life. And, and like you were talking about the brain, um, you know, we're, our brain spends two thirds of the time monitoring fight or flight, you know, monitoring our safety level or whatever. And sometimes our brain decides that we're not safe when we are because of things that have happened in our past. So if we can be intentional and think about the things we're happy about and passionate about and things we feel we do do well, we're going to have, we're going to give that safety mechanism that can be overactive in our brain so much less power because we'll engage other areas of the brain. Well, you know, and you make a good point because it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs right. and our very basic needs are safety, physical safety, not worried about, you know, losing our job or in 2020 has rocked everybody's boat. Because it's it's something that's never happened before. And one of the things that I think, you know, we, we talk about the mental energy. I think that the physical connection, which is something I have missed in 2020, I'm a handshaker and I'm a hugger. Yeah, and these little too. these little air bumps in the in the air just aren't cutting it for me. No, um, I agree. <laughs> you know, because one of the things I think, you know, what communicates love and acceptance and belonging is a big old hug. Yeah. Or a high I agree. five. You know, or just messing up their hair, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think that's something that we can certainly do within our own families, although <laughs> we don't have that luxury right now of doing that with everybody. But we but we'll get that back. And that's that's something I am so looking forward to. It's just being able to hug anybody I like. Right. And me too. And there are people who are not huggers as well, but just being, you know, anthropologically, humans are pack animals. We do best in groups. We do best when there's more than one person around. Um, you know, the hermit thing for most people. Does, it's a rare person who functions better completely alone than, you know, most people require other people to do their best. So even if you do things well on your own, you actually usually do it better when you're with other people because it's like a, a synergistic relationship that happens. One plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one can equal a whole bunch of things. <laughs> 
you know, absolutely. It's, it's, it's so, that community. You know, yes. why why do we go to church? I mean, we could stay at home individually and read the Bible and pray, but we go to church because there's strength in that community. We can learn from each other. We can be held accountable. Um, community offers a lot of support and growth opportunities. Well, yeah, because we learn from other people. You know, if we're if we're just at home reading alone, and which which I love the being at home reading alone and praying alone. You know, that's part of my gratitude list. I read and pray every morning and then write my gratitude list. So, um, so that's been huge because I didn't start doing that. You know, I always wanted to do that for a long time, and I didn't start doing that until my dad passed away, August fifth. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll be totally ready for that because, you know, he's 94 years old and he's ready to go and he's getting confused and he's not the man he used to be anymore. It's time. But losing somebody that you're that close to. And the reason I bring this up is because I think grief is such a powerful emotion that really shakes our confidence and and. You know, grief is just one of those things that there's no way around. It's just through. And it's, but there are good things that come out of it. Like, you know, now I'm praying every morning and reading from the Bible and writing a gratitude list. And those things have been, you know, whether you're a faith-based person or not, you know, reading in the morning, taking that quiet time, doing some medication, medication, meditation and writing about your gratitude, what you're thankful for. It's life changing. I mean, honestly, oh, it because is. it puts your whole brain that that it changes the whole brain chemistry. Well, you know, I'm so glad you brought grief up because 2020 has left many of us grieving and we're grieving for the norm. We're grieving for our comfort yeah. zone. We are grieving for, you know, what we just used to do. It was just what we did. It wasn't that it was that great. But I think that grief has left many people uh, with some level of depression because, you know, we have to, as you said, you can't go around it. You got to go right through it. Right. And that, you know, then you're going to face anger and then you're going to you're going to face a lot of other emotions. And for many of us, it's easier just to say, I'm just going to stick my head under the covers and 2021 is going to come and everything's going to be good. I wish um, I wish. But I think that that comes back to fear and fear is my four letter word. I think that that prevents whether it's children or adults it prevents us from reaching out and trying to be our best and and to do something that we know we need to do, but we don't really want to do. And oftentimes when I know I really need to do this, but I don't want to do it, it's because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of failure, to be real honest. Well, and it's funny because fear is actually a protection for us. We're supposed to, you know, the emotion fear is supposed to be protection but what happens is we end up fearing all kinds of things that we don't necessarily need to be fearful for because they're not necessarily going to hurt us it's like have fear do it anyway which is either you know much easier said than done and i've been working on that a lot lately you know faith-wise because with doing this 
um, whole parenting thing and figuring out all the technology. And I have a, a digital course that's coming out later on in this in January. And, you know, just figuring out all the technology and doing all that stuff and just being going, okay, I'm going to have fear and do it anyway. I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. And we did a pilot over the over the summertime and I made all kinds of mistakes, but that's where I learned a lot, but it's, it's still not perfect. I mean, it's going to be, you know, this digital course is going to be in progress for a while, you know, I'm just going to be continually improving it. And, um, you know, but, but I almost didn't do it. I think a lot of times we let fear stop us because, you know, like you say, we're afraid of failure. And I thought, well, then I wouldn't be able to help the people I've been helping, especially in 2020, because it's there's a component with weekly group coaching. So, um, so the the point that I'm making is that if I didn't do this, I wouldn't, you know, if I let the fear stop me, and and I almost did, to be honest, several times, <laughs> because because people are like, oh, digital course, yeah, that'll be easy with these platforms and blah blah, blah. and it turns out. It's not so easy at all. And it takes a lot longer than people say it does to do a good job. And, you know, just on and on. But it's been worth the difficulty of learning how to create something that really works, that's positive, that gives people tools that, you know, and just quick tips and makes, you know, just little tweaks and routine that make a huge difference for families. And, and I could have, quit and not created it at all because I was afraid. And I think, you know, that limbic system in our brain is to protect us. But a lot of times, boy, like you say, fear is a four, four letter word that that fear gets in the way and blocks off everything else. And, (laughs) and we can't even, you know, sometimes it's hard to even move past it, we have to force it. And that's where it's important to reach out to other people as well. You know, we were talking about this whole separation thing, getting together with people on Zoom or meeting them and socially distancing or however you're going to do it. We need other people. We do. That's that is one thing that I've really realized this year, this past year is how much we do need other people and we need we need to connect. We absolutely we need to connect and we need to stay connected. And when I've looked at the past year, I've I've seen people, you know, when life is good, when things are going your way, your resilience is strong and your confidence is good. But when you hit that big, dark, deep hole in the middle of the road and you don't see the path out of there, that's when our confidence really goes away because most of it's amazing. Most of the emotional trauma that we have lives in our subconscious. And Trish, this is a true fact. Every second, your brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. Wow. On the, con- on the conscious level, research says the most you can process is 40 to 126. Personally, I go with the 40. But, mm-hmm. but whether it's 40 or 126, we don't have to do the math to know where all of that information is going. It's going into our subconscious. Right. And that's where fear lives. And, you know, I I can't tell you how many clients have said, you know, because it's interesting, I'll do brain maps. And when there's a big difference in eyes open and eyes closed, it usually relates to a trauma. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, gee, I didn't know. You didn't tell me about, oh, well, that was 10 years ago. I am so over that. Well, on a conscious level, you are, but on a subconscious level, you're not. And, and I that, can what, see it on your brain map. <laughs> yeah, and Surprise. that's what makes fear that big, ugly elephant. And it's, I mean, it stops us. Now, some people will tell me that they use fear as a motivator. Yeah, I don't find that it's a great motivator. And all the years I've worked with kids of all ages and, and parents in the last several years, I don't feel like fear is a good motivator. Because it may be initially a good motivator, but it causes trauma and, and problems later. So, but you know, how cool that you can look on a brain map that you're doing through technology and you can tell that there are things going on in the subconscious mind that, you know, people don't even know that they still need to deal with. That's exciting. It is exciting. I mean, technology is, has brought us, has given us so many tools, like it's given you this digital platform to work with people. And certainly technology is, there's a, a lot of good associated with it. And it's like everything, there's there's good and there's bad, that's for sure. The, um, you know, I mentioned in your, or I didn't mention, but you mentioned, you've got this brain stages, brain, parent empowerment journey. Is this a digital course that you're going to roll out later in the month? Yes. So I'm rolling it out on January 25th. I'm so excited about this because it's been a long time coming and a lot of people have asked me about it because I used to do these live workshops all the time and and just all over the country. So what's happened is with the whole COVID thing, um, a lot of people haven't been able, I haven't been able to go places, other people haven't been able to attend. So we've done it all on Zoom and What's great about it is you can watch the lessons, whatever they are, and they're usually quick tips for small tweaks and routine. Like the first section of it is about self-care, how to reprogram your brain. So when you're uptight with your kids, they do something, you're starting to feel your buttons are getting pushed. It there's just this, it takes a while to get through. I think there are two videos where we go through and there's a reflection page for each thing. And the videos are fairly short. They're all between like 10 and 20 minutes. And basically you go through this video lesson and then a reflection page to personalize it. And then we take you through this um, kind of process that lasts about 10 to 15 seconds to literally reboot your brain before you deal with your kids. So you can respond rather than react to whatever's happening when you feel yourself losing it because your body always warns you when you're about to lose it, when you're when you're feeling that fight or flight, even whether you know where it comes from or not. You know, you get this weird feeling in your stomach or you get short of breath or your shoulders get tight or your head starts to hurt or, you know, whatever. Lots of people have lots of different things that happen, but your brain warns you. So we go through this self-care thing and then um, the next couple of modules are about communication, small tweaks in communication with your kids to help your kids feel empowered. I mean, it de- it develops communication in the household. It creates calm in the environment. It's, and I mean, you just get to start enjoying your kids again. 
I mean, I went through a real period. I don't know about you, Lee, but I went through a real period in raising our kids where I was just like, I love them, but sometimes I'm not sure I like them so much. And I didn't want to feel that way. And, and by learning some of these communication tools and learning what goes on the brain and why it works, what works and what doesn't and why, um, it, it just recreated our relationships between all of us, between the kids, between my husband and me, you know, just everyone. It was, it was amazing. So the second and third modules are about communication. And then the third part of it are small tweaks and routine for healthy brain development. So for social, emotional, and academic growth. So if kids are having a hard time learning, and they're really cool things like why 10 minutes of exercise in the morning can make all the difference. And for us, it was huge because we had an ADHD child. But also, I worked out in the morning and it, and I did it, you know, self-preservation for your kids. And then you go, wow, I can think clearer too. <laughs> you know, and you don't even know what's going on at first, right? But now there's all kinds of um, research to back it up. So, so it's basically in three sections. We call it um, reboot, reboot your brain, um, relate for relationships, and um, and reset routines. <laughs> All of a sudden, it, I you know usually I know it off the top of my head, but it's those three second sections. So it's kind of like the three R's. So we that, go through that, and then, and then whenever parents join is great. Not everybody has to be on the same video or the same module. And once a week on Zoom, we meet and we talk about what's been going on. There's usually a short lesson or something that we talk about. And then parents just ask questions and talk. And, and I have um, speakers that come in and talk to parents about specific subjects, you know, who are speakers that they wouldn't get otherwise, but there are awesome people who are friends of mine. So they come in and talk to my groups. <laughs> So, um, so I'm really excited to finally launch this thing because I, I really feel, cause I don't feel like a digital course is enough. I feel like people need to, like we were talking about, they need to connect. And then we also have a private Facebook group so that people have community of other people who have the same training. Well, I think it sounds, you know, something that you've worked very hard on and you sound confident about. Yes. <laughs> I am. Well, part of that too is, is getting to see results with people because I've already done the pilot and, um, and other things and had parents and professionals both and and just the accolades They're They're all excited that it's starting too. So, um, so it's, it's just, I'm excited to do it because I feel like it's a really reachable, usable tool for parents to use that is, done with time in mind because you know most parents don't have a lot of time so no they don't time is their most valuable asset it always has been so we've got a few minutes before we close the show and i'm just thinking you know for the family it's probably the parents that out there that are listening or but think about this not only with your children but with your the, your co-workers and your colleagues you know what can you do and I think my one thought is you can focus on improving your own confidence. And 
that's we would much rather you focus on your stuff and make it easier for me um, than focus on our own. So that's kind of my one thought. What what's yours, Trish? Well, focusing on your own confidence by intentionally figuring out what your strengths are and operating from those strengths and listening to other people. Because I think, you know, I'm sure most people, most of your listeners have heard we have two ears and one mouth, use them accordingly. And I think a lot of times, especially if we're gregarious people or whatever, sometimes we get into talking and forget to listen as much as we should. And I think when we listen to the people who we live with or work with or, you know, anywhere in life, um, then we find out more information and we know how to problem solve when we run into issues and we know how to support each other on projects and just any of those things. I think that's great advice because listening is, I can't tell you how many times I'll be talking with somebody and I can see, I can see the wheel spinning in their head. They're not hearing me. They're already thinking about what they're going to say next. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's okay because I'm here to listen. I mean, I'm a, I'm a therapist, psychotherapist and neurotherapist. So I'm here to listen, but you know, I feel like that if they, stopped and they really heard the question that I ask, they might, they might come up with a different answer. And the answer is for them. It's not for me, you know? Oh, so right. I think that you, you, the listing is, is really, really key. And, I, you know, one of the things that I have, I've stopped done this year is I've made my vision board for 2021. Yes, and it really, will. It really helped me visualize and focus on what's important to me. And there's neuroscience behind that because the brain places more importance on visual images than it does on written word. Now, there's written words like own it, dial it up, transcend time. There's written words on that vision board, but they're on top of visual images. And it really helped me to set my goals and my affirmations and it was fun and it's January and you've got snow on the ground and there's snow on the ground a lot of places but I think one of the things that if you can do if you can bring some fun into your own personal growth you get so much more out of it and I have to tell you I had so much fun I can't tell you how many images I cut out and I never used <laughs> But that's how, but that is half the fun. I mean, when I taught kids for years, I really focused on the fun. How can I make this into a game? And when I work with parents, I focus on how to make it fun. How can we make whatever they're doing with their kids fun so that they remember certain things, so that they do certain things? Because, you know, if, if we make things too hard, a lot of times, just as humans, we make things too complicated. But if we oh. can just make it fun... You know, that makes all the difference. It does. And that's a great note to end on. People won't remember what you say. They won't remember what you do, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Right. Thanks, Trish, so much for being on my show. Oh, it was really fun. <laughs> On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, 
iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. 